0: I just spoke with Holly McKay. Holly's a journalist who I've known for a number of years. I hired her oof, probably 15, 20 years ago at foxnews.com, where she started the Pop-Tarts entertainment column for me. Since then, she's uh, she's changed her, her journalism trajectory and become a war correspondent. She spent a lot of time in a lot of very dangerous places. From the north part of Iraq, she was in Uh, Afghanistan as, as it fell to the Taliban. And right now she's in Kiev, Ukraine, having got herself into this war after it started to report from the ground there. And currently the Russian siege is picking up around Kiev and she's soon going to be encircled by Russian forces. Here's Holly. All right. First things first. Tell me your tell me your physical situation. How safe or unsafe you are. The type of place you're in. How far you are away from the windows. All that. All that stuff.
1: Right. So I right now I'm in the center of Kiev in a hotel, and um, I guess as safe as I can be. Um, I there is a little bit of shelling tonight, so I moved to the basement for a little while. But um, but other than that, I mean the day's been fairly calm. Um, it's very quiet on the streets. It's a very, very different place to the Kiev that I was in a couple of weeks ago. It's just, it's a, a drastically transformed sort of situation. Um, I'm sure you've seen a lot of the reports about a Russian convoy that is kind of approaching the city that is believed to be quite extensive. So that is obviously a nerve-wracking component of it as to what point this convoy actually reaches the capital, what their approach will be. There is a lot of fear that there will be... Um, Sort of large-scale fighting and artillery and and that kind of thing. At this point, it's very hard to know. Um, I spent some of the day, um, you know, with some of the presidential officials and and the top sort of military right to, in that that area downtown in the capital and and the spirits are really good. People are Ukrainians are optimistic that uh, their uh, sort of a counter-offense will work, but but again, it's it's just a a situation that is very fluid.
0: Well, I mean, they are fighting, and you are in the midst of a a true Russian siege of a of a capital city. I mean, we haven't seen this, you know. We we I guess we've seen it in Chechnya and, and some other places, but not in but modern not, history.
1: Not in yeah, and it's and it's incredibly bizarre, Ken. Like little things uh, uh, that you people are finding these very strange sort of markings on rooftops and strange right. markings on roads, and and there's sort of this reddish color. And with kind of crosshairs and mm-hmm. and basically they're presumed to be planted by sort of Russian mercenaries in the city um, as target points for artillery and, and places to bomb. So Ukrainian officials are encouraging anyone who sees something like that to cover it, to try to get rid of it, to sabotage it in some way because, you know, that is seemingly, you know, and that's a throwback from what the, the German Air Force did in World War II. So it's just this very, very bizarre modern day war but also huge aspects of of being in some kind of time capsule
0: right right now the The media right now is uh, in the West is portraying it as as the Russians are having a much harder time than they expected. Now, it's tough for us to know how much of that is real, how much of that is coming, because the Ukrainians are doing a much better job, certainly at the information warfare. They're using they're using modern day techniques and and social media to get their stories out. and You don't see that from Russia. What's your sense of how accurate that and, and then what you see when you go to the news sites in the West?
1: So, I mean, my understanding, you know, again, it's it's very hard to gauge because I I haven't seen the Russian soldiers myself, so I it, it is hard to gauge. I think that I think that it definitely you can say that it, it's it's sort of been a, a fairly amateur performance by Russia, which really should be the second most powerful military in the world, and I think what we're sort of seeing is that. A lot of con, uh, conscripts were used to invade and, and- The the Kremlin really thought that the capital would just sort of surrender and and concede, um, which obviously has not happened. But the thing with Russia is they've just got endless resources. They have so many more resources as a country of 144 million compared to Ukraine, which is 44 million. And they've got Belarus, and they've just got just a massive supply of of weaponry and heavy weaponry that the Ukrainians just don't have. So that is going to be hard match, I think, skill wise. But what I'm sort of seeing so far, and, and my my understanding of the situation is that a lot of these Russian soldiers really didn't have any idea essentially what they were going into. Mm-hmm. A lot thought that you know, they were going to Belarus or going to Crimea to do a training exercise, and then their passports were taken from them and they were sent uh, sort of into Ukraine in, in what initially they had assumed to be some other type of training exercise. So you're really seeing uh, kind of a, and, and from what I've heard from people in a lot of the villages. Um, especially sort of in the east, uh, telling me at one point um, Russian soldiers had sort of occupied a village and three days later they were asking for food and Mm -hmm. broke into a grocery store because they just didn't have any supplies. So that sort of shows you a little bit about how maybe disorganized this war is and maybe how rushed it was. And I think it also speaks to the kind of bizarre state that we're seeing President Putin in and, and why now and, and and why this invasion made any sense
0: to him at all. Now, you were you were there a couple of weeks back. When were you there last in, in Ukraine?
1: Right. So I left. Um, I was in Ukraine for a couple of weeks. I arrived, I believe, um, the last week of January and I left, I guess it was three weeks. Uh, no, okay. about two, two and a half weeks ago I left because you know, my assumption was really that that nobody really, I guess, expected this invasion to actually happen. Well,
0: well, well, we had talked, and you had mentioned that you were like, you know, yeah. nobody out here in Ukraine thinks this is happening, and they're questioning yes. the United States and CIA, and and you know, don't don't make yeah. trouble, right? That was almost yeah. the yeah, com- and
1: com- yeah, and they were saying to me, why, you know, Russian troops have been stationed around our border since April of twenty twenty. 20- Uh, April 2021. And why is this kind of a story now? And I think a lot of them were fairly perplexed. I think they were also trying to instill calm in the situation. Uh, They were trying to not ruin their economy and I I guess really hoping for the best that does make me a little nervous because, you know, some of the, the same officials I speak to who are, who are lovely people, but they're also very calm about what may unfold in the next sort of few days. And they're basically saying, you know, we've got this, um, and not to undermine that they don't have it, but I, I do have to question how much they're sort of putting on a brave face or, or really just um, a little bit, I don't want to say naive, but um, not trying to... Uh, put forward the notion right. that something very serious could unfold well
0: you can be optimistic or you can be pessimistic but you're still in the middle of a war and so it's like you yes. gotta you gotta you gotta fight it so look the big fear for the, the country and me for you is the notion that okay. as as russia has a harder time with this it 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 stops being relatively restrained. In other words, we haven't seen carpet bombing of cities. We haven't seen a lot of things that, that, you know, Putin has done in other parts of the world a number of years ago. We haven't seen that yet. Is that, is that a fear that you have? And is that a fear that, that that you're sensing out among just regular people?
1: I think, um, well, Ukrainians never expected this war. I don't, I haven't sort of heard anyone say that, that, they're outright concerned of, of a total carpet bombing, but I'm sure that fear is there, and it's something you know me as a as a war journalist has to to factor in to the decision making that I do. Um, but I as Putin has been fairly restrained. We are seeing a, a bit more of an uptick of civilian areas being targeted in mm-hmm. Kharkiv, which is the second largest city of Kiev, which Putin sort of started to assault at the end of last week, and that seems to be ongoing. So whether he's going to try to take a more restrained approach if and when um, the Russian troops come to Kiev, or if he just is going to get frustrated at this point and just kind of go for it. So mm-hmm. he just seems to be in a precarious mental state. And it's not a war he definitely is going to lose easily, irrespective of what happens. The end game is very unclear to me, because for if he even was to win, there is no way that Ukrainians are going to accept some kind of pro-Putin puppet government. That wouldn't last a day before some sort of giant revolution happened there. So I don't know what Putin's endgame in this. I don't know why he thinks he can take over a city and just suddenly have control Mm -hmm. over it. And as you see now, he's in massive domestic trouble. Um, Russia has been absolutely leveled with sanctions from many directions. Their airlines cannot fly into uh, many countries in Europe as well as the United States. Banks, the oligarchs are now being isolated. Um, Just every possible you've got big tech that's pulling out. So Russian people are really going to suffer as a result of this, regardless of what happens in Ukraine so I, I just can't imagine what his end game in this is and i think everybody's sort of scratching their heads
0: well you know prior to this a lot of people i think expected it to be a little bit like crimea in other words with crimea you were like you know what a lot of them want to be there right and and you could say probably the same for for the eastern parts of ukraine a couple of those provinces wouldn't mind being part of part of russia because they're primarily russian and everybody just kind of shrugged their shoulders the world didn't go crazy but two things in this th- in, in this war have happened so far one is is the ukrainians fought back in a way that nobody expected i mean you know you were in kabul as we'll talk about kabul in a second because wherever you go <laughs> bad things happen um, uh, you know, they they fought back a lot harder than expected and 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 you know a lot of people thought this would be over in a day or two like like it has been in other other things the other is president Zelensky; he's become a little bit of a worldwide hero i mean the guy is good-looking a stud, part of his, you know, uh, uh, being a leader and a heroic leader at a time of where, you know, he might end up, he might end up dead very, very shortly, but it is rare to see that kind of bravery and, and, uh, and, and the ability to rouse a country like that was very, very impressive. Did you, did, did, do you sense that? I mean, the guy went from a comedian to a pretty popular president and now he's, he's kind of a little bit of a superstar there. Yeah,
1: he absolutely is a rock star. And, and I think Ukrainians are just incredibly proud of him, even ones that really didn't support him, um, or you know, will even tell me I didn't vote for him. But they're just incredibly proud of the stance that he's taken, um, the fact that he won't leave. And I, I can attest sort of very, that he is certainly in Kiev right now. And yeah he is he's rallied people together he has sort of taken risks with his approach he's he's basically put the onus on Ukrainians and every single citizen to to fight and that is really something that he's he's brought ukrainians together in a way that i nobody really thought was possible mm-hmm. and um right down to you know the encouraging everybody to the, the grandmas to make molotov cocktails and right. just the which, they're doing. Russian, right. which they are doing and mm-hmm. and you know russia i mean ukrainians have really really taken this in their stride and and someone one one person said to me today an artist, and he said he's a volunteer medic. And he said, you know, I wasn't I, even in Kiev when the invasion started a week ago. I was just outside the city. And he said, so I, you know, came back sort of a day later. And. He just said, I can't believe how quickly I've adjusted to this situation, how quickly the sound of shelling has become normal, how the streets are empty, how we're stopped at every checkpoint. And and he's sort of driving uh, medics around Mm -hmm. and it's um, they've really just come together in, in an incredible, incredible way to fight, fight for their country. And. The fact even, you know, enacting martial law straight away and and stopping 18 to 60-year-old men from exiting the country is something that I think you know, what really was a uh, something that needed to happen. We need as many boots on the ground as possible. And and even my my driver yesterday, a, a wonderful young woman, I call her my angel, and she sort of said to me, you know, she's single, and she said, you know, when, when I start dating again, when this war is over, she said, I'm going to ask any guy I date where he was during this time, because that will make a big difference to me. You know, if he's someone who's trying to get out of the country still, and there certainly are men that are still trying to get out or dual citizens, but she said, you know, it, it matters to me where they are at this time and, and what they're doing for Ukraine.
0: Yeah, you'd rather have the guy who doesn't run out the door when uh, when when something like that happens. So so usually I can I can look at a globe, you know, a, a, a map of a globe, and wherever the most screwed up part of the world is, Holly McKay is there. So you were literally just months ago in. Kabul as, we you in Kabul or were you in another, another city? You went to so Afghanistan. Oh, I was,
1: yeah, I was even worse. So I went to the north to Mazar Sharif. Right, right. And so I Ford. was the only foreigner in there as it fell. And that was the day before Kabul. Um, so I had to kind of wait it out a little bit there. Um, yeah, alone with the Taliban until nope. I could get back to Kabul.
0: Okay. And then so you go down to Ukraine, you go home for a little bit. And then how on earth did you get back in the middle of a war zone, in the middle of a war?
1: Well, you know, and this is another point that I'll make just on the, we're sort of seeing a lot of news reports um, in the past few days, and and a lot of this was coming from from Kiev officials too, that the city was completely besieged, Mm -hmm. Um, there was no way to get in, and and when, I know, I'd said to, to people that I wanted to get in, and I had one friend who said, oh, you know, I'm in touch with the top levels of the United States government intelligence, and they said there's absolutely no way that anyone is getting in or out of Kiev, and I just thought, I'll find a way. So I had no concept of what I was doing. So when the invasion started, I thought, I can't sit it out. It just felt like such an important story. And this was happening in Europe. And it just, I'd already invested so much time. So I thought, I just, I have to figure it out. So I flew to Budapest. In Hungary and then I had a random sort of follower on Instagram really who had been chatting to me for the past couple of months just a young guy who ran sort of security he'd said you know if you ever need anything in Budapest let me know and he happened to message me that day and I said look I'm flying to Budapest to try to get to Ukraine and he said well you know you're welcome to stay at you know I live with my girlfriend and sister you're welcome to stay at our apartment if you need it so I said great fine <laughs> so I, I went to Budapest You know, these lovely random young um, Hungarians took me in. And then the next day he drove me down to the border and we took a bunch of supplies for the refugees, Ukrainian refugees fleeing. And we went to this tiny little border village. And honestly, I didn't know know anybody. He had to go back to to Budapest. And so I went to a church and... in, through the language barrier, um, they were just the loveliest people, and they gave me a, a, their, the church office to sleep in that night as I was mm-hmm. kind of making plans of how I was going to get in. Through a contact of a contact of a contact, I said, look, I'm trying to get into Kiev, and I, I don't know anyone right there that, that can drive me because it's a long distance. And by some sort of angel, this lovely girl called me and she said, I can pick you up at, at 10 a.m. from the border tomorrow um, if you're ready to go. And I just thought... I don't know, but she, I said, how long is it going to take us to, get to keep? And she said, well, normally eight hours, but we're not taking any highways because they're all dangerous and the bridges are broken. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to take little back roads and it'll take about 20 hours. And I thought, okay, I'm just going to do it. Um, so I crossed the, I walked up the Hungarian border into Ukraine and the lovely people were there to meet me. And she was just sort of a calm angel who just was like, oh, welcome. You know, we're going to have a nice road trip. And so uh, we basically drove through the night. It was, it was 20 hours. Um, we didn't stop. We took back roads and obviously because there is curfew, that was a little bit dangerous because, we didn't want our car to be shot at. So mm-hmm. you sort of have to drive with very low lights and it's snowing. And, and there were just so many checkpoints. So just, I think I, I lost count after a while, but I was counting for a while and I got to almost 40. So you, what happens, you get to a checkpoint in the night and you just sort of see a flash of light. Someone would wave a light and then it would go off. And so you would just turn the interior of the car on so that they could mm-hmm. see you and just stop. And then, they would instruct you to kind of move forward and check your passports and things like that. And I I say it's the first time that I I found it much easier to be a woman in a war zone, normally not. But because we were women in the car, so we weren't sort of double checked, um, we weren't really seen as threatening. And because we were taking medical supplies to to some of the volunteer fighters. So I I think they appreciated that. But eventually we got into Kiev and that was early morning yesterday, my time. So I had a little bit of a nap at, at her apartment just outside the city. And then um, I started to get concerned. I needed to get into the city before any closures sort of happened. Um, so basically called a cab. Cab took me to my normal hotel that I stay in in Kyiv. And then I, I set up and, and got the ground running today with, uh, with interviews sort of all over the, the city before curfew at, at 5 p.m.
0: Now, now, why was the uh, the Thelma of Thelma and Louise part? Why was she coming into the two nut two nutty gals driving at mid? Anyhow, um, uh, why was she going down?
1: She's just go, she's as I said, she's just an angel of a human being. Wow. She um is just going back and forth driving across the country back and forth taking supplies so because there are no medicines in kyiv there's everything is closed there's sort of mm. not a lot coming in and out so she will drive to the west and part of the country where there are still things operating pick up uh, medicines, she'll also go to the border because they're her and sort of a group of volunteers on Facebook, really uh, getting donations and and to buy medical supplies and things that mm-hmm. um, a lot of the volunteers need. Um, I know things like body armor, they're really trying to get, but that, that is a little bit difficult. So they're going to, you know, the Polish border or the Romanian border and, and organizing to pick up supplies and, and then bring them in and distribute them back to Kiev so basically you know she was on the road again today um, also helping evacuate people so she's taking a lot of the elderly people and people with pets and and taking them to some of the border areas as well so who are very scared or scared to get on trains and things so as uh, Ukrainians have come together in just the most amazing way and and people are just so incredibly giving and and i could also say that for you know the hungarians that i saw just people donating whatever they possibly could giving cash giving food giving money what it's really it's given me so much faith in humanity that i think i lost for a while and that's so what i always say about war is it it really is the worst of people but it, it is the best of people too and you see how people come together and it just it's so generous and so giving and and throughout the difficult times. And it's, um yeah, it's really inspiring to see.
0: You have no way to get out though, right? Well,
1: uh, well, I have a rough exit plan, but you right. know, that could change the in changes. an hour. Are,
0: are, um, are you surprised? Are you surprised that, I mean, you have electricity, you have internet, you made a phone call to get the cab. That stuff's still going. Is that a little surprising to you? It's
1: very – I mean, it's a bit limited, but, I mean, Uh certainly I have good Wi-Fi where I am. Um, You know, I'm in a hotel and they give us great food and, and, you know, there's beer in the fridge and uh, things like that. I don't know how much supply there is. I don't know when that kind of runs out. But, yeah, but right now, you know, the water is running hot and I have my electricity and, um, you know, things feel – I, I feel like I'm, you know, in a stable place, able to, to work, even though it is certainly a war zone outside, but I, I just, I don't know how long the supplies last, but I'm going to take advantage of it while I have it. But yeah, that mostly the cabs and things aren't running, but there, there right. are sort of a few exceptions and there, there are very few cars on the road, but, um, no. but it, people are still somehow trying to make ends meet.
0: Finally, what do you, what are your plans for tomorrow? Uh, can you get out of it during the day? Obviously, yeah, that depends out, on yeah. on what kind of actions yeah. going on outside.
1: Yeah, so I spent, um, you know, I spent a good part of the day. I. <laughs> There's a bit of drama. So, um, God, I don't know, wasn't going to go into it, but I ended up getting a really bad second degree burn on my legs and stomach last night. So that was really in my room. And I, I boiled water. And for some reason, the cups in the room, the lid doesn't fit. And so when I went to drink this scalding thing, it just, oh. it fell all, uh, you know, oh. and I have a very, very bad burn, but I not dwelling on it, but luckily, so and this is the beauty of, of, not just sort of coming to a place when, when it's in the middle of a war, but having some mm. contacts and experience. So I have um, good friends of mine that have a, a volunteer mobile hospital. So when I woke up this morning and I saw that this wasn't just a, scalding scolding burn, this was definitely much more serious. I you know, called them and they just sort of took me in were amazing. It you know, was continuing to dress it all day. So um, I sort of went out spent a lot of my day kind of based out of their base downtown where they're treating people. And from there, I went to the downtown presidential area and we're interviewing um, some of my contacts there that are pretty high up in the in the military. Um, and then was kind of traveling around. And one thing I did is I, I went to um, some churches. Now churches are really mostly closed, but but I was able to make some calls and and to speak to some of the the archbishops and priests and i really just wanted to understand because ukraine is is very much a you know country founded on the orthodox church and it's a country you know where faith is very strong and so i i wanted to really understand you know the the church's role in all of this and what they were doing to prepare and kind of what their message in all of this is um because there is a big schism between um Kyiv and Moscow Orthodox churches. There was a big split that happened in 2019. So it, it, to me, that was sort of an interesting take. Just to also get a snippet of of what is happening um, in all aspects of of Kyiv life right now. And and yeah, it's just it's it's been kind of a fascinating day of just hearing people's opinions and how they're preparing and, and what they think. And um, tomorrow I'll continue with a lot of that, probably start my day with getting medical treatment myself, which I hate. Uh, and I hate taking away resources in a time like this, but the joke is that I don't have to be worried about the Russians because I have to be worried about exploding coffee cups. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So my plan is to sort of continue, continue with a lot of um, that. And, and um just yeah, really documenting everyday life to people, in, in a way that that people can hopefully kind of understand what's happening without um, without sort of the uh, how do you say it giving them a little bit more than a you know soundbite from a hotel rooftop. So that's really what I'm trying to do, and without sort of some of the breathless dramatic reporting that i've seen it's not to say that it isn't a precarious situation i just don't know that it necessarily does us any favors if if the reporter themselves is sort of fearful and scared so i'm just trying to to kind of be the the layman really
0: All right. Well, you scare the crap out of all your friends and people who like you. Like you, even though we've been in the business and I've watched you be from a former ballerina to an entertainment reporter for Fox News to a wartime yeah. a wartime reporter who's seen a lot, a lot of both scary and I think uplifting stuff. And so, take care of yourself, or we will hurt you. And uh, any other uh, any other uh, things that you can think to close it up or. You got to get.
1: No, I just think, you know, let's keep an eye on it. The situation's obviously changing and, and yeah, just be aware that, you know, and I saw this in Afghanistan too, and just be, be really aware that, um, you know, as we could sort of see with the snake Island incident where everyone said, Oh, these uh, 13 men were martyred when that really wasn't the case. And obviously there was a nugget of truth in that story that they were bombarded by a Russian warship. But I just think it's, I saw this so much in Afghanistan was just, The perpetuation of of doctored photos and and Mm -hmm. misleading headlines and and you see that not just from the russians which we all know russians are notorious for that kind of chaos but but you also see it from the ukrainian side too and sort of Mm -hmm. drumming up that propaganda and just sort of approach it i guess with a a bit of a cautious eye and i know there are many different elements at play and um you know if you can't verify it, then it's, it's or it sounds too good
0: to be true. It probably is. You have your windows taped up?
1: Uh, yes. Everything okay. is, is secure as is, is secure as it can be. Secure as
0: it can be, minus the hot water. Uh, I'm sorry. To hear yeah. You. All right, you. <laughs> you take care of yourself. First sound of rumbling around there. The basement is a good place to be. And yeah. uh, 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 ping me. We'll, we'll talk longer when you are out of danger and uh, we'll talk soon, okay?
1: I look forward to it. Thank you for your support.
0: All right, Holly. You take care. Well, you made it to the end. I hope you enjoyed yourself and learned something new. You can subscribe to the podcast to get notified of new episodes. You can also check us out on YouTube and Rumble, since all of these are done on video as well. Thanks for listening, and until next time.